And when you're in that narrow functional optimal range, that's where you have your best chance at feeling your best, at being optimized, of feeling like that, like I always say, that badass human that you're meant to be. You gotta be in that functional optimal range. Dr. Amy Horniman, a.k.a. The Thyroid Fixer, also has a podcast. She's a host to the top-rated podcast in medicine and alternative health called The Thyroid Fixer with listeners around the globe. She is the founder of the Institute for Thyroid and Hormone Optimization. It's an organization with transformational proven approaches to address thyroid function and support people returning to their full health. She knows thyroid dysfunction well from her own experience with insufferable symptoms, misdiagnoses, and improper treatment. Dr. Amy set out to help others who she knew were going through the same set of frustrations and who are on the same medical roller coaster. She's also the creator of the Fixer Supplement line. And ultimately, she is a woman on a mission to help optimize thyroid patients around the world and give them their lives back. Dr. Amy Horniman, welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. So excited to have you on. Thanks, Emily. I'm happy to be here. So I wanted to dive right in. Every listener to this podcast has Hashimoto's or maybe has the symptoms, but maybe hasn't been properly diagnosed. So for women who are experiencing probably the two biggest struggles, severe fatigue, extreme fatigue, difficulty losing weight, what would you recommend that women ideally get ordered for lab work to check their thyroid function. Yeah, the labs are such a key component because I was misdiagnosed six times. A lot of my patients that come to me have been told that they're normal and everything is fine. And yet they know, like you said, those symptoms are not right. They know their bodies. They know that something's up. So that's where we really have to get into testing. Testing plus your symptoms, plus you tuning into your body and knowing your body, that's what allows a good practitioner to get that full picture and really design a treatment plan that will fix you. So starting with the labs, you're always going to get TSH. You're always going to get TSH. That's the standard of care. And yet that is a pituitary hormone. It is not a thyroid hormone. And it does not tell us the whole story. I like to give analogies so people can understand. So whenever I'm talking about TSH, and this may be a wackadoodle analogy, I tell people, think about if you had a flood in your basement and you called the plumber and your plumber comes in and goes into your kitchen and looks in your sink and goes, yeah, nothing to see here. You're good. And you're like, wait a minute. There's two feet of water in my basement, dude. Don't just leave the house. That's the underlying problem, right? And the TSH being normal is literally the plumber coming in and going, yeah, there's nothing coming out of your sink. Well, it doesn't have to be. Now, if the plumber walks in and there's water spewing out of your sink, he's going to stick around and say, hey, there's a problem here. That's TSH. When TSH is elevated and your doctor actually pauses and goes, there's something going on here, that's the water coming out. That's the obvious. But there's so many things that can be happening that is not obvious on the surface. That's why we have to go beyond TSH. So that's where we go free T4. T4 is the inactive thyroid hormone. And we look at it. 
free T3, the active thyroid hormone. That's one of the most important lab values you can get along with reverse T3, which is the anti-thyroid hormone. I have an analogy for you on that too. And then there's TPO and TGA. Those are the two antibodies. And I say two with an exclamation point because I have seen doctors only test one. There are two antibodies to test for Hashimoto's. Now going back to reverse T3, throwing another analogy at you, bouncer at the club. Reverse T3 is the bouncer outside of your cell door telling T3 it can't get in. So when reverse T3 is elevated, and do not let your doctor tell you no. Do not let your doctor skip this test. Do not let them tell you, oh, well, we only test that in a clinical setting. Yeah, we do test it in a clinical setting, meaning that you're laying in the ICU or the ER injured or in a trauma state because it's going to be high because our bodies are smart and our bodies will know when you have to survive. And when you're in that survival state, the body goes, listen, you don't have to be burning fat. You don't have to grow your hair. You don't have to feel good. You just have to live. So reverse T3 will be high in that state of trauma. We don't want it high when you're walking around trying to live life. So that is a must-do test. And the rule of thumb across the board, if you walk in with those tests, don't even worry about total T3. I mean, don't, don't even ask for anything extra. Total T3, total T4, T3 uptake, those are all bonuses. But let's not confuse your doc too much. You ask for those tests that we just talked about, if your doctor says, no, it's time to get a new doctor, period. Because if they won't even test to see what's going on with you, there's no way in hell that they're going to treat you properly. Can you share the importance of having both antibody tests? Yes, you can see Hashimoto's present on one and not the other. So it is said in the medical community that TPO is the main test. That's the MAC daddy, thyroperoxidase. That's the one that always comes up positive if you have Hashimoto's. No, it doesn't. I have had plenty of patients have a dead zero on TPO, and then they get flagged with TGA. So you have to test both to really get that full picture of whether or not you have Hashimoto's. That doesn't make a difference in how I treat you. Not really. I want to optimize you no matter what. And if you're like myself, Cynthia Thurlow and I talked about this on her podcast, we have zero antibodies. Always have. Probably always will. But the law of deduction that 95% of all hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's and the fact that we also have other autoimmune conditions, albeit minor, you know, psoriasis, whatever, it's going to be Hashimoto's. So it doesn't necessarily draw me in the direction of a different treatment. I mean, I'm going to pound you about going gluten-free if you have Hashimoto's, but even if you don't have Hashimoto's, you should be gluten-free. So it's not really going to determine treatment, but it's just knowledge and knowledge is power. Yeah. One of the antibody tests checks antibodies attacking the actual thyroid gland. And then one antibody test checks antibodies attacking the circulating, like the hormones thyroid circulating hormones, in the yeah. bloodstream. Yeah. I have this question often. And if I had my thyroid gland removed, can I still have Hashimoto's? I don't have my thyroid gland. Absolutely. Yes, you can. That's why we still test the antibodies. Yeah. Because we do want to know, is your body attacking the hormones that are trying to get to your cells? You know, I mean, we, we, we want to know that. So we want to ultimately bring those antibodies down to zero. And there is a conventional range that you'll see if you get the lab work. And then there's a much more narrow, tighter 
optimal range. Why are there two ranges? With any, any, any lab value that you see on your labs, you have to remember that all of them, I don't care if you're talking about cholesterol, testosterone is a big one that I talk about often, or thyroid labs, that standard lab value range that you will fall into and then be called normal, air quotes, that was taken from a sick population. And that's the big difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine. In functional medicine, we come in and we go, give me your fit. Give me your badass people. Give me the ones who are 50 and they look 30. And let's test them. And then we'll get that range. And that is the optimal functional range. So big, big, big standard lab value range, narrow functional optimal range. And when you're in that narrow functional optimal range, that's where you have your best chance at feeling your best, at being optimized, of feeling like that, like I always say, that badass human that you're meant to be. You got to be in that functional optimal range. Yeah. Why do you think reverse T3 is so often overlooked? I always thought it was because like it was not a test that insurance covers often, but mm -hmm. maybe that's not why. Why do you think? I actually had this conversation with one of the practitioners that was part of my team. And she said, they are taught that if you don't know what to do with a test, you don't run it. And a lot of doctors do not even know what reverse T3 means outside of that clinical setting, outside of you laying in the ER or the ICU. They don't know what it means. They don't know what to do with it. And I mean, you and I know, like, it's breathing. You know, oh, yeah, you got a high reverse T3, you're not converting, let's lower your T4, let's check out the, all those conversion things that... But literally, doctors are like, I don't know what this means. Can we talk about medication? Yeah. So medication is outside of my chiropractic scope. But I think it's important for listeners to know that there's different approaches to medication of potentially prescribing a medication that is only T4 versus a medication that has a combination of T3 and T4. Yep. Yeah. What's the difference? So let's start with thyroid medication and reframe it. I want you to think of it as thyroid hormone replacement therapy because some of you need to replace the hormones that are no longer being made. So it, listen, if you've had a total thyroidectomy, partial thyroidectomy, radioactive iodine, hands down, you are going to be on thyroid hormone replacement therapy. It is necessary for life. If you had type 1 diabetes, you wouldn't tell me, no, 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 I don't want that insulin. It's like, no, you're going to take this or you're not living. So same thing, thyroid hormone needed for life. So we're replacing those hormones that are no longer being made. Now, some of you have progressed in the latter stages of Hashimoto's where your thyroid gland is destroyed. And listen, I'm there too. So no judgment, not your fault. It just is, right? Let's just deal with what is. So you may need thyroid hormone replacement therapy. Now, at the same time, we're going to do everything that Emily talks about on her pot. We're going to do all the things. We're going to make sure that your insulin's low. Make sure you're working out correctly. Make sure your hormones are balanced. Make sure that you got all the nutrients in. Make sure you're not eating like garbage. I, I use the term both and because that's how I treat patients. It's both and. It's not just, let's fix your thyroid. Here's some meds. Bye. No, it's everything. It's let's look at how you're sleeping. Let's look at how you're eating. Let's look at how you're working out. Let's look at everything and piece that all together. That can reduce, let's say, the dose of medication. Some people get off their medication, but if you need it, you need it. 
So you have those different categories, like you mentioned earlier, T4. That's your Synthroid, your Levo. That's what I was put on for five months. It didn't work. Way back in the beginning, that's my story. When I was misdiagnosed six times, then diagnosed, then stuck on T4 only, didn't work at all, hardly ever works. And when you mean it doesn't work, what does that mean? It just doesn't relieve symptoms. If you pulled 10 people on T4 only, you might find one that goes, well, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm okay. And then I would dig deeper. I go, well, do you put on weight easily? Are you sleeping well? Is your energy low through the day? And I bet you she goes, oh, well, yeah, I just thought that this was how I was supposed to feel. So really, I could probably pull a thousand people and find a thousand that say they don't feel well on T4 only. So it's checking the box. It's the standard of care. It's what doctors learn in med school. This is what you give. But there's so much more. I gave a talk to a group of integrative functional doctors this years ago. And we talked about the different tests needed, including reverse T3. And we talked about being in the Synthroid box. And I said, why are you guys in the Synthroid box? If you really think about it, if someone comes to you and they're depressed, you'll prescribe this antidepressant and that antidepressant. And if that one doesn't work, we're going to tag on an antipsychotic and some Xanax, but you won't prescribe anything other than T4. Why is that? And the one doctor raises his hand and goes, that's all we've learned. So there's so much more. There's so much more out there. There are the NDTs, so natural desiccated thyroid. That's your armor, your NP. Nature thyroid used to be in there before it got the boot. But those are the porcine-derived thyroid glandulars, T4 and T3 blended together. It's in a roughly, uh, this is very rough, roughly 80-20 split. We also have to account for a little bit of T2, a little bit of T1 in there, and then whatever the fillers are. So it's not an exact, if, if I'm giving you 60 milligrams of armor, are you getting exactly... 12 micrograms of T3, no. It's not an exact 80-20, but you can kind of think of it in, that, in those parameters. The four to one ratio that is supposed to mimic our own thyroid production of T4 and T3. Then we have T3. That's your lyothyronine, brand name, Cytomel. And T3 can come in, it can butt up with the T4 only. So you could be on T4, we can bring in T3. We can bring in T3 to the NDTs if you're not doing well on that 80-20 ratio. You might be T3 only, like I am, where you do not convert at all. I give you T4, you get worse. So you can fall in any of those categories, and then we can mix and match. When I'm asked what's your favorite medication, my answer is always the one that's going to work for you. Is there any harm to taking T3 for a long period of time? No, it's all false. It is all false. It's just like, Okay, let me compare this to, and, and we're finding out more now because a lot of people are going to be like, well, yeah, hormones are bad. No, no, no. The WHI, Women's Health Initiative Study that was released in 2002, has basically scared doctors and women to not use hormones. Now, the reality is, if you really break down the studies and look at the studies, the reality is hormones protect you against cancer. They don't cause it. Hormones extend your life. They don't shorten it. Hormones shorten all-cause mortality diseases, diseases of aging like diabetes and heart disease and stroke. But so many doctors are stuck with what they learned in 2002, and 20 years later, they have not broken out of that box. Same thing with T3. Your doctor might say, well, it's going to cause a heart attack, and it's going to cause bone loss. 
And no, it's not. We've already negated that false belief through multiple studies that show the complete opposite. One study says, well, you know what? If you have AFib, maybe a higher dose of T3 isn't a great idea because that could exacerbate it. If you have tachycardia, you know, if you have an existing heart condition already, then we're just more careful, but we're careful with everybody. It's all finding what's going to work for you and your body and your condition. So no, there's no harm in T3 because T3 is the active thyroid hormone. Your cells, every cell in your body has a receptor site on it for T3. So it's the same thing. If hormones were bad, we'd have 14, 15, and 16-year-olds having cancer. If T3 was bad, we would all be dead. We would all be having heart attacks and breaking our bones, stepping off of a curb because we all have T3. And if you're optimal, you have enough of it. If you're not optimal, you don't. Do you think it's possible? Because I think a common recommendation from conventional medicine is move more, work out more, eat less, especially as it relates to difficulty losing weight. And I actually saw a patient in the office last week. We were dealing with more biomechanical things, but she had talked about how her doctor had, she was on a combination, I'm not sure exactly what, of like T3, T4. Mm-hmm. And took her to only T4. And she said she gained 40 pounds in two months and yep. nothing else changed. Her eating was the same. She's very compliant, gluten-free, watches what she eats. She doesn't overeat. And she resistance trains four days a week. And I was a little mind blown. I was like, is it possible to lose weight if your thyroid hormones are not being properly managed? Not a chance. You can do everything. So when I was being misdiagnosed, if I can back up, I'll just, I'll I'll tell my story briefly. I was in competition mode. I was doing figure competitions. Yeah, Yeah, the, the feminine form of bodybuilding. I wasn't all big and jacked up. But the feminine form of bodybuilding, I was doing fitness modeling. And it was never easy for me. I am not a twig. I never was. My family's obese. We have type 2 diabetes rampant. I was always the fat kid. I was having contests with my best friend in sixth grade as to who could lose the most weight because we were the fat chubby kids. And I would always have to bust my butt, but I had done it so many times. I knew what worked for my body. That time that I knew something was wrong, I had put on 25 pounds. And Emily, I was eating chicken, broccoli, asparagus, salmon, orange roughy, going to the gym twice a day. I mean, I was doing all the things times 10. It wasn't even possible for me to eat less and exercise more. So it was literally my body saying, okay, showing me without thyroid hormone, without the proper amounts, without your thyroid being optimized, it doesn't matter what you do. You could be perfect in every single area of your life. But without specifically T3. Now, the problem is that woman's doctor just ripped away her metabolism. It ripped away the active thyroid hormone, ripped away what her body was so desperately craving that had helped her up to that point, took it away. And now her body's back into a hypo state. Yeah. I think it feels like such a disservice to the women because, like you said, it's like I was doing all the things, I did whatever was told from the doctor, yet. I couldn't get to that goal. And so we, you know, I think there's this element of shame and blame and, oh, what I do wrong? Yeah. But it's not. No. There really is medical gaslighting that goes on to where you start to think, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I just have to get used to this. 
Like, oh, I'm just getting older. That's what my doctor said. And it's just, it's gaslighting. I mean, there's no other term for it. It's not you. You're just not with the right person that's going to tell you, hey, I hear you. Here's what's going on. It's right here in black and white. I can't tell you the amount of times I have sat with people's labs and they start crying because they're like, why hasn't any doctor told me this before? I'm like, I don't know, because it's all right here. I mean, your labs are literally speaking a story and it's obvious. And if someone were to take more than five minutes with you, they would see this. But that just isn't the case in our system right now. Yeah, I know ordering lab work is very patient specific, but are there any other lab markers that you would check for inflammation or checking for maybe overall health of a Hashimoto's patient? Definitely. So the list is long. I'll try to hit everything. Insulin A1C are big ones because we always see insulin resistance with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. I love to check all the sex hormones. So ladies, you have more than estrogen. Remember that. So estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. We like to check sex hormone binding globulin because if that's high, that can actually bind to testosterone, estrogen, and to your active thyroid hormone T3 and render that inactive. So we want to check SHBG, DHEA, pregnenolone, and then high sensitivity C-reactive protein, HSCRP is a big one. We look at SED rate, iron panel with ferritin, because ferritin is a huge factor in T4 to T3 conversion. It's a huge factor in your hair, in how you feel. If ferritin is low, that's a marker of inflammation, but also can contribute to huge amounts of anxiety and hair loss. So that's a big component. All of the nutrients, so your vitamin D, mag, selenium, you can check iodine, that's a separate topic. You can check it, in my opinion, because I know you could pull a million different functional practitioners, they're all going to have a different opinion on iodine. You can test it that one time. If the person's not taking it and it's low, you're low. After you start taking it, if you test it with blood, it can come back high, but that doesn't mean that you're high and you need to back off of it. So I like looking at iodine, just all the nutrients that are vital. And I know I zinc, I know I'm forgetting a couple, but I know I like to run a lot of labs, even just a simple CBC with differential, CMP, CBC, you know, that can tell us so much. That can tell us inflammation, underlying infections, bacterial, viral, parasitic, food sensitivities. I mean, it can tell us so much. Yeah. For the sex hormones, those need to get, the draw needs to be at a certain time of the menstrual cycle. Is that right? Mm -hmm. These 19 to 22 is optimal if you're still cycling. If you're menopausal, you can go anytime. But if you're still cycling, days 19 to 22. Now, there are some practitioners that like to draw estrogen on day three. But I know, I, you know, right now with how labs are, they're taking forever. You have to make an appointment. Just go day 19 to 22. That gives us more than enough. And then if we have to really get specific, if we're dealing with infertility or something, then we can have you repeat. Yeah. Let's talk about T2. Yeah. I didn't even know what T2 was until I listened to your podcast the other day. It's the forgotten hormone. What is T2? It's so amazing. So I dove into research because if we back up again, like 15 years ago, I was using a sub. So I said this in my podcast, bodybuilders, they are the OG of biohackers. Right. So the bodybuilders always try stuff on themselves long before it comes out in the mainstream. And we go, hey, that's a good idea. Right. So way back 15 years ago, there was a bodybuilding supplement out that was thyroid related and had this ingredient in it, 3,5-diodoylthyronine. And I started taking it. I started using it with my patients. I was like, this is, this is before I even dove into the research on it. I was like, this is awesome. This is, I mean, 
you lose weight, you know, you don't lose muscle, it's increasing your basal metabolic rate. This is fantastic. Well, then fast forward to now, I'm like, you know, there was that product that I used 15 years ago and I was using it with my patients, but it was body, it was, you know, in the bodybuilding realm. So it's hard to tell a 45 year old mom to go to a wacky you know, bodybuilding site. So I'm, I need to bring this to my people. I need to bring that. So I start diving into the research. I want to learn more about this 3,5-diodo-L-thyronine, which is T2. The research is amazing. So when we, you really start diving into it, no wonder it worked so long ago, and I didn't even know the why. It's number one, it activates brown adipose tissue. Now, your brown adipose tissue is the brown fat that you want. We actually do have fat on our body that we want. We don't want the white fat. That's the squishy, you can grab it. That's what clogs your arteries. That's what sits on top of your organs and burdens the organs. Brown fat is metabolically active. It has a ton of mitochondria in it, which is what turns it brown. And we know that stimulating brown fat actually increases thermogenesis or the burning of your white fat. We can turn, by stimulating brown fat, we can turn white fat into brown. So that's pretty cool as well. Stimulating brown fat also reduces insulin resistance, so it makes you more insulin sensitive. It's renal protective, so it's protecting your kidneys. It's lowering cholesterol. So that's what piece of the puzzle of what T2 does in the brown fat arena. And we could dive even deeper into all the benefits of stimulating brown fat. But T2 also activates your basal metabolic rate. It increases your basal metabolic rate. That's the amount of fat that you are burning at rest. So again, backing up to the bodybuilders, they were calling an exercise in a bottle. They're like, literally, we could do nothing and still burn fat and get show ready and build muscle. And here's the thing with T2. It does not burn your muscle. It only has an affinity for fat. Whereas T3, as much as I love it, it's the active thyroid hormone. It helps a ton of people. T3 is going to burn everything. It's just increasing your overall metabolism and it's not differentiating between burning muscle and burning fat. So you're getting a little bit of a, of a loss in both areas, which, you know, a lot of thyroid patients will take because they've been struggling with fat loss for so long. But that's the beauty of T2 is it does not target muscle. So it protects muscle. It actually activates muscle. So we can call it kind of, I hate to say exercise in a bottle, but I still want you exercising. Please still exercise. Don't just rely on T2 to grow your muscle and burn your fat, but it does that. And that's the cool thing is that we actually see some muscle stimulation and activation. And at the same time, we see that thermogenic effect of increasing basal metabolic rate and burning fat. So you're getting the best of both worlds with T2. And I saw a bodybuilder interviewed. It was one of the pros that, you know, trains a lot of people getting them ready for shows, trains a lot of women specifically. And he even said, and we know that bodybuilders abuse thyroid medication, right? We know that they take it even though they don't need it. So he's like, you know, I don't like using T3 with my ladies because it just ends up burning their muscle. And I don't want it to burn their muscle because they got to step on stage. They got to look all muscular and lean height. He goes, I use T2. It just burns their fat. And it does not have thyromimetic side effects, meaning it's not going to shut down their own thyroid hormone production and cause any kind of like cardiovascular increase. It's not going to increase their heart rate. It's not going to like make them feel speedy and jittery like T3 does and can. It just burns their fat. So when they're done with the show, they don't have a self-induced thyroid problem from abusing T3. They've literally taken T2 
lost the weight, increased their basic metabolic rate, protected their muscle, and they don't come out on the other side gaining 50 pounds because now their thyroid's in the trash. Yeah. Are there any downsides to T2? It sounds kind of magical right now. I know. Not that I'm seeing. Not in the literature. I mean, there was one study. Actually, I have it still right here. So there was one study they tested. So before T2 administration, body weight, body mass index, blood pressure, heart rate. They did an EKG, an ECG. They did all thyroid and liver ultrasounds. They did A1C, insulin. Everything was glycemic control total cholesterol, triglycerides, free T3, free T4. They tested T2, but don't ask for a test for T2 because this is in studies only. There's no general assay for the general population. TSH, resting metabolic rate, those were all evaluated at baseline. Resting metabolic rate increased significantly in all subjects, 4% reduction in body fat in 28 days. And serum levels of free T3, free T4, and TSH were unchanged. No effects were observed at the cardiac level, and no change was observed in the placebo whatsoever. So the placebo peeps did not have any kind of fat loss, no negative side effects on the thyroid axis or at the cardiac level. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not seeing yet any kind of negative effect. What are other ways to stimulate brown fat? cold because i know it's all the craze right now cold (laughs) so you know all y'all who are doing the wim hof method and jumping in the ice baths and cold showers that does stimulate brown adipose tissue so that's why that's kind of part of that biohacking space just one more thing you can do to really stimulate that brown adipose tissue and help with weight loss help with fat loss specifically yeah i have not done cold exposure i did it once at a wim hof yeah event yeah yeah I was like, that's kind of as much as I need to do. Like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but is there other things we should know about T2? Other th- oh, yes. ATP production. So I know I always focus on weight, but we have to remember that there are thyroid patients out there whose main complaint is fatigue. That crushing fatigue. They go, you know, if this fatigue just wasn't here, I could live life. You know, I'd be able to get through my I'd day. I could do something. Yeah, <laughs> I could do something. I could maybe get to the gym and exercise, right? Yeah. So. T2 also stimulates the mitochondria and produces more ATP. So when you begin taking it, and this is why I always say, if you're going to take it, supplementally take it in the morning, because you're going to get a little bit of an increased energy boost from it because it is stimulating the powerhouse of your cell, mitochondria, and ATP is the energy production, just to kind of shorten it and brief it down a little bit. So when we stimulate that, yes, you do get that increase in energy. You might get a little bit warm, even from increasing energy and increasing your basal metabolic rate. Temperature is one of those vitals that a lot of thyroid practitioners will tell their clients, their patients to do and to test for first thing in the morning because we want to see that low body temperature come up. Now, it's not a surefire. I mean, I am optimized. I'm on a large amount of T3 and I can't crest 97.1. Now, don't put me in 80-degree heat. I hate it. I'm not cold ever, but my core body temperature doesn't go up past that. So that's why I don't really hang my hat on vitals because it can vary from person to person. But the in-general rule is we just want to see it trend upward. Because I started it at 96. So going to 97.1, hey, that's a win. But yeah, don't think that you are not optimized just because you're not over that 98.6 mark. Yeah. When a Hashimoto's patient first comes to you, or maybe they don't even know they have Hashimoto's, 
where do you start? Because I think a really good practitioner will kind of take a patient through a journey, will create a hierarchy, will address what's most important versus maybe a newer practitioner might just like try and treat everything at once and overload the patient. Where do you start? So thyroid, insulin, hormones, those are the big. And it it really is hard to not sneak into the nutrient deficiencies a little bit because I know at the end of the day, if your vitamin D is a 30 and I'm treating your thyroid, it's going to be a long journey. Same thing with insulin. If you're insulin resistant and we're not addressing that, that's going to prolong you feeling better. That's going to keep inflammation in your body. The fastest way to age is high insulin. You're not going to lose weight if you're walking around with insulin resistance as much as we're treating your thyroid. So that's where that both and theory comes in. I do a lot in the beginning. Here's what I don't do. I'm not going to promise you that we can increase a low T3 level on your labs and get you losing weight and get that testosterone level up because that's vital for you ladies too by fixing your gut. If I'm only going to fix your gut, there is no way in hell you're going to get better over here. And that's what drives me crazy. And I bitch about this on my podcast too about functional and integrative and all these terms that we're throwing around for marketing purposes. There's a lot of docs using them that aren't, just to give you a heads up. So you might easily get into a, I'm going to heal your gut program and the promises that your thyroid's going to get back. It might improve because a crappy gut is going to affect your thyroid production and your immune system and your Hashimoto's, but it's not going to magically produce T3. So I won't narrow down and just do one thing. I will do more, but the big ones, thyroid, let's get your medication balanced, let's get you on the nutrients that support it. Let's throw in some thyroid fixer, T3. Let's make sure that you have enough testosterone. Let's make sure you're not insulin resistant. Have on some progesterone to help you sleep if that's in the toilet because that's the first hormone to go in your 20s and 30s. Let's give you some estrogen if you're, if you're menopausal. Let's get all this in play. Then we move over here to how you're eating. Then after you're feeling a little bit better, let's add in some proper exercise and, you know, just kind of sides step by step it in that way. But I really want to focus on thyroid insulin hormones first. Yeah. You have been such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. You're quite welcome. For coming on. Where can people find you? So you can find me on the Thyroid Fixer podcast, on all podcast platforms that Dr. Emily is going to come on to. And then on my website, dramyhorneman.com. On there, that's where you will find what we were talking about today, T2, that is in my product, the Thyroid Fixer. You can find that on my store. And then, of course, all social, all social. So just you can find me at Dr. Amy Horneman on all social platforms. Amazing. Dr. Amy, thank you. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode or even learned just one new piece of information to help you on your Hashimoto's journey, would you do me a huge favor? Rate and review Thyroid Strong Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you used to listen in to this podcast and share what you liked. Maybe you learned something new. And if you didn't like it, well, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Dr. Emily Kybird. I read and respond to every single DM. I truly believe all feedback is good feedback, even the ugly comments. If you're interested in joining the Thyroid Strong course, a home workout program using kettlebells and weights, where I teach you how to work out without the burnout, go to dremilykybird.com forward slash TS waitlist. You'll get all the most up-to-date information on when the course launches and goes live 
special deals and early access bonuses for myself and my functional medicine doctor friends. Again, dremilykyber.com forward slash TS waitlist. I hope to see you on the inside, ladies. 